All right. Jesus is alive today. For real, Jesus is alive today. Uh, anybody feel like they've got really, really bad timing? Like, like you just always seem to be missing things. Maybe you, maybe you haven't even changed your clocks yet from last week. You know, you, you just got bad uh, timing. I, I think about maybe you, you turn on the game just to the moment the person says, wow, that was unbelievable. That was the greatest game I've ever seen. I'd hate to be a person who missed that game. That was the greatest game I've ever seen in my entire life. And you're like, Oh, I thought it started at 4 o'clock, and, and, and you missed the, the whole game. Uh, maybe it's a case where you were uh, saving up. Uh, this goes back a little ways, but you were, you were saving up because you wanted a pair of bell-bottom jeans, and you saved and saved and saved, and then when you finally bought your bell-bottoms was the week they went out of style. Side note, it may be the one of the most valuable pieces objects that our family members have ever owned was I saw some pictures of Susan back in the day and she had on a pair of bell-bottom jeans but these were not just any bell-bottom jeans these were bell-bottom jeans with the entire Bee Gees airbrushed into the bell-bottom of the jeans was it just Andy Gibb that's what it was the Bee Gees something like that amazing like man those would be worth a lot of money uh, today but you got to have the right timing if you get it when everyone else just kind of ducks out, then you feel kind of silly. Not that I would know what it feels like to feel silly, but you feel kind of silly. Uh, maybe your timing isn't any good. You show up at the food truck the moment they're closing the window of the food truck, and you're like, oh, man, I, I, I really wanted some of that. I'm like, well, if you'd been here 15 minutes earlier, they were giving away all of their leftover supplies. Oh, terrible timing. You just miss out on all of the great stuff. I think about the passage that we read just a few moments ago from Acts chapter 1 where Jesus ascends into heaven. And I think, what if that was the moment you walked up? What if that was the moment that you arrived and the disciples are there gathered around in a circle and then all of a sudden you just see this person disappearing and, and you're like, what, what happened here? And they're like, oh, you just missed it. Oh, well, what was it that I missed? Well, well, that was Jesus. He was the Son of God, and he was born, and, and he's done miracles, and his teaching was amazing, and he taught us to pray, and he healed people, and he rescued people from the most broken parts of their life, and, and then he was crucified, and he was in the tomb for three days, then he rose again, and, and then he ascended into heaven. You missed it. Man. Talk about bad timing. Now, there's a little bit that you and I may be able to relate to that person who stumbled up on that moment and feels like they missed the whole story. You see, you and I live here in 2021. And sometimes when we take a look at the stories of the Gospels and we see all of the things that Jesus did in his day and all the miracles and we think about the disciples being able to be firsthand witnesses to all of those events, and we're like, man, I missed it. I was born in the wrong time and place. I missed all of the Jesus stuff that happened back in the day. 
Well, I've got good news for you this morning. The good news that I want to share with you this morning is that the resurrected Jesus is working on our behalf right now. In fact, you might want to read this and say the resurrected Jesus is working on my behalf right now. Today, you have not missed anything because Jesus is alive today for real. He continues to work in our lives, and I want to tell you, you haven't missed anything. So, how is that true? What does that look like? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the first way in which we see the resurrected Jesus working on my behalf, the same way we see the resurrected Jesus working on your behalf, and, and I love this, is that the right now, Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of the Father. Right now, Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of the Father. Now, pop quiz, don't answer this out loud, okay? What is one thing that's true about you that you hope nobody else finds out about? What is one thing that's true about you that you hope no one else finds out about? Now, the, the spectrum of, see why I said don't answer that out loud? The, the spectrum of those answers can be kind of a wide spectrum. Part of those answers may be that you did something really, really embarrassing uh, at the house last week. And your kids saw it, your, your, your spouse saw it, and they laughed and laughed and laughed. Maybe even somebody took a picture, and you're like, don't you ever, ever post that. I, I, I don't want you ever to tell that story. And it was just kind of embarrassing, and you just kind of hope, I hope that no one ever tells that story, because that was really, really embarrassing. So one thing about you that you hope that no one else ever finds out about. And so it could just simply be on that embarrassment spectrum. But it's also possible that when you think about what is one thing in your life that's true about you that you would hope that no one else finds out about, it's not just embarrassing. It actually runs a lot deeper than that. There's, there's some pieces of your life, there's some parts of your past, there's some parts of your distant past, there's parts of your, your, your recent past, there's, there's some parts of your life right now that aren't just embarrassing, they're, there, there are parts that you feel shame over today. There are parts of your life that are broken, that are wrong, that are just, man, they, they, they are a mess. And you hope that other people haven't noticed, maybe other people hadn't remembered, maybe just lots of people don't know. Hopefully you've been able to hide that well enough. But there are some things in your life that you just hope that no one ever finds out about. Boy, it gets just kind of awkward even not talking about those topics, doesn't it? But here's the reality that I have to share with you. Is that all of those things that we, we try to hide and we hope that nobody notices, that we hope that nobody finds out about, God already knows those things. He's already fully aware of every one of those things. But what I want you to hear is that Romans chapter 8 verse 34 tells us that our Jesus when he knows these things, when he could point a finger at us, when he could look at us and say, now that is messed up and here's the punishment that's coming to you. This Jesus says, in terms of what are we going to do with the messed up things in our lives, the question is, who's going to condemn us? 
and point those things out and make us pay the price for those messed up things. Make us to pay the consequences of those messed up, shameful things in our life. Who's going to condemn us? The answer is, is it Jesus, the one who died? And more than that, was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? The answer that's in the middle of that is no. He's not going to condemn us because he is currently interceding for us. You see, you understand that if you are in Christ, every time somebody mentions a charge, an accusation, a moment of shame, a place that you failed, a place of brokenness, a place of sin inside of your life, if you belong to Jesus and someone says, well, what about this? Then it tells us that at this moment, at the very right hand of the Father, Jesus says, yes, but that's forgiven. Yes, but that's forgiven. Yes, that's one of the things that I know about, but I died to forgive that sin. And hear me, hear me, hear me. If you are in Christ, there is not a single moment of embarrassment or failure or shame or sin that can come before the Father that Jesus does not say, I covered that. I took care of that. Now, I don't know what this means about my life, but when I go online, you, you get those ads on the sides of your, of your computer, and, and they're kind of supposed to be like based on, on, on who you are, and they've been tracking you and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I get the ads for the most? Best lawyers in Hammond. First of all, I'm not sure that all those guys are really in Hammond. I, they seem like the same group of pictures that were, they said were the best lawyers in Eunice. Everywhere I go, they just keep telling me where the best lawyers are. I, I don't know what that tells me about my life and who I am, but here's the thing. Everybody can laugh and kind of make jokes about lawyers until you need one. And you, you find yourself in a spot and you need someone who knows the system and who knows the place and will walk into that place and say, I speak on their behalf. Boy, if you find yourself in a spot, you want someone who will speak on your behalf and you want someone that knows that place and the inner workings and how's that work. Let me ask you, when you and I find ourselves in a spot, in a deep spiritual spot, how does Jesus sound as a person who will stand and speak for you? You want to talk about someone who knows the inner workings? It's Jesus. He is at the right hand of the Father. He is God himself. And he says every time a charge comes against, he will intercede on our behalf. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 puts it in, in, in this way. 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 4 and 5 says, Who desires all people, this is Jesus, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. He is our mediator. He intercedes for us. In a minute, we're going to see that he is our advocate that speaks on our behalf. You haven't missed out on the work of Jesus. 
The work of Jesus is happening right now in the life of every single believer. He stands at the right hand of God speaking on your behalf and saying, I forgave that. I died for that. That's covered. That's no longer on their account. That's what's happening in this moment that Jesus is doing for you. I would also tell you that right now, Jesus is our companion and our facilitator in our great assignment. Jesus is our companion and our facilitator in our great assignment. The passage that we read in in Acts is Jesus' final earthly moments with his disciples, and he is ascending into heaven. This is after the resurrection, and the disciples are staring there looking at him. But Jesus' final words as he leaves is, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all the world. In fact, the apostle uh, Matthew puts it in different words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. uh, He says, go therefore and make make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Now understand, this assignment is core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is that we are to be witnesses. We are to speak on behalf of Jesus. We are to speak and introduce people who do not know Jesus. We, it's our task to tell them about Jesus. And he says, start where you are and then just go as far as you possibly can. Now that's the assignment that we've been given. Now the truth of the matter is, we struggle with that, don't we? I can't tell you all that's in there, but we're, we're, we're kind of anxious when this kind of topic comes up, and we're not sure if we know how to speak to someone. We don't know what to say. We don't know if we're really equipped to have that conversation, and what are they going to say if I bring this up, and we, we struggle with this. But I want you to know that it is the assignment that God has given to us. But I also want you to know that he does not leave us alone in that assignment because he says, and I will be with you even to the ends of the age or to the ends of the earth. Basically, as far as you can possibly go, I will be with you. In fact, the truth is, if you ever feel like, boy, God's just not that close to me in these days, one of the ways in which we can know that he is close to us and that he is with us is when we're talking about him to people who do not know Jesus. He says, and I will be with you. All the way and you till you come to the end of the end, I'll be with you. You see, right now in this moment, Jesus is with us as a companion in our great assignment of sharing the name of Jesus with as many people as possible. But I also want you to see he's not just with us in that moment, he's not just our companion, he's also our facilitator. He also assists us in that process. He's not just there with a clipboard watching to see whether we get it right. He doesn't just say, boy, I hope you guys do a good job on this. But if we go back to the passage we looked at just a moment or two in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to hear what it says here. It says, Jesus, who desires all people to come to the knowledge of truth, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Listen, Jesus is not just at a distance from this process, but he is engaged in this. In fact, it tells us that he is the mediator that is drawing people to him. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 puts it this way. He says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. Again, to the greatest reaches that you can imagine. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. I want you to see how much of the entire New Testament is predicated and built on the fact that Jesus is alive today for real. He always makes intercession for them. Who is he making intercession for? He is making intercession for those that do not yet know him and who seek him and desire him. I want you to know that what Jesus Christ is doing today is that in this moment, he is calling people who do not know him to him because it is his desire. It is his desire that all people get saved. He says, I've given my life as a ransom for them. And there's no person who has a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, who desires to know God. There is no one that will be excluded from that because for to the uttermost he is able to save what is jesus doing today right now in this moment jesus is drawing people who are far off from him he is drawing them to him in this very very moment in fact the reality is is that it may be happening in this service right now it may be that there is someone here who, whatever the journey is, and whatever the obstacles have been, whatever is missing, they don't know Christ. And maybe they're here every single week. Maybe this is their first Sunday. I don't know the story. But I will tell you that the living, resurrected Jesus is at work in people's lives around the world, and that could include in the middle of this service right now. The living Jesus calls people to him and says, whatever messed up stuff exists in your life, I died for that so that I could be the ransom in exchange for those things in your life. Jesus calls us to him right now. I would also tell you that right now, Jesus sympathizes with my deepest struggles. Jesus is active in my life today because he sympathizes with my deepest struggles. Last week, we talked about sin. We talked about how sin is spiritual rebellion. It is when I say, you know, I know that this is what God wants, but this is what I want, and so I choose what I want over what God wants. I choose my way over his way. And that's sin. It can come in all different sizes, shapes, big things, small things. The entire world may gasp and say, that's terrible. The rest of the world may shrug their shoulders and say, that's no big deal. It doesn't matter. But the only definition that matters is, what does God say? And do I line up my life under his authority? And if I don't, then that's what's called sin. And one of the things that you and I know, not just from theology, but from our own personal experience, is that sin has an incredibly strong gravitational pull. In fact, that's part of what we looked at last Sunday was the fact that really from the fall in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, there has been this compelling, strong pull on our lives to be rebellious against God and to find ourselves in sin. Yet we also talked last week about the reality that because of the resurrection of Jesus, 
sin has been defeated and we have been given a new life and sin no longer has authority over my life. So these twin truths, the gravitational pull of sin that is so strong and the fact that the resurrection of Jesus has removed the authority of sin over my life. Both of those things are true. And so what happens, that for the follower of Christ, the disciple of Christ, we live with this tension, this struggle inside of us, knowing that sin does not have authority over my life anymore, but at the same time, dealing with this gravitational pull towards sin that we swim surrounded by. That's the struggle that we have. But I want you to hear the words from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest or a representative who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, the fact that we are crushed by that gravitational pull, that would sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. It continues and says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I think this may be one of the most overlooked truths of who Jesus is. Is the fact that when Jesus, as God became man, and he dwelt among us, that he faced every temptation that we face. Now, I'm not just saying that. That's what the scripture just told us. He he faced all of those temptations. Now, to be clear, and the scripture reemphasized it, he lived without sin. And so we look at it and say, well, God doesn't really understand that. Jesus doesn't really understand what it means to deal with and struggle with all of this temptation. Listen, he did. Every single thing that we have faced in terms of temptation, Jesus faced when he had his earthly life here. And don't forget that at least in one episode, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness where he went one-on-one with Satan. For 40 days of temptation with Satan himself. And as Jesus was worn down, was hungry and thirsty and exhausted, he faced everything that Satan could throw at him. And it tells us at the end of that that he defeated Satan in those tests and that Satan left to come back at another time. Listen, you and I struggle with the reality that we are freed and no longer under the authority of sin. And yet the temptation of sin continues to surround us in every moment. And because of that, we're like, I, I don't know, I feel insecure when I pray. I, I feel like, well, well, God knows these things, and I, I messed this up, and I messed that up. Listen, Jesus sympathizes. That's what the Word of God tells us. He sympathizes with our weakness because he has faced every one of those temptations. And he knows what that battle looks like. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us, 
He tells us that he, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's why he writes these things. So that you and I would not sin because you and I are no longer under the authority of sin. We are born again to a new life that means that the grip of sin is gone. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. In fact, the verses immediately precede this tell us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now certainly, this forgiveness, this freedom is not a free pass to sin that completely misunderstands the cost of what our forgiveness came, that completely misunderstands what Jesus has done in our life. In fact, the Scriptures tells us that it is His kindness that leads us to repentance. The more grace that He gives us is intended to make us seek Him more and more. But listen, understand you are not alone in this room dealing with some of the deep struggles that you deal with. Man, <laughs> we're not doing show and tell and telling each other everybody our sins and our greatest struggles. But I think sometimes we can have an insecurity that we come into church. I bet I'm the only person in this building that struggles with such and such. I bet you I'm the only person that came to church today that really messed up this week. I bet you I'm the only person who came to church that really doesn't deserve to be here. <laughs> Listen, man, that is not the story. The story is that just about everybody here is dealing with the same thing. It's just a different flavor. It just came in a different tube and a different setting and a different delivery package. But there's not a single person here who comes to church this week and says, boy, I nailed it all week long. I didn't mess up anywhere. No, 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 no. That's not the journey that we travel. But hear this. The resurrected Jesus does not stand on the sidelines in the middle of our spiritual struggle between the temptation and the freedom and the choices that we have and the, and the forgiveness that we have. He, he does not stand on the sidelines in the middle of that. No, he says, I understand. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you not to sin. And when you do sin, my blood and my forgiveness... It covers that. It covers that. That is what Jesus is doing right now as he is interceding for you. He is forgiving you. He is your advocate. He is your intercessor right now with your name. He works on your behalf. In no way were you born in the wrong time and place for you to experience the work of Jesus in your life. He is at work in your life right now. So now what? Well, what do we do with these statements? How, how do they impact our life? I want us to think about just a couple questions. 
since these things are true, let me ask these questions. Since these things are true, that Jesus works on our behalf today, let me ask you, is it possible that you haven't forgiven yourself in a place where Jesus already has? Remember, in the very throne of heaven, when there's the opportunity to condemn you, he stands up and he speaks on your behalf. So if that's what's happening in the throne room of heaven, I promise you that's what's supposed to happen in your heart and in your mind. That when the accuser comes and says, well, what about this failure? What about this? That the voice of Jesus says, that's forgiven. My blood, my death, my sacrifice, my ransom, it covered that. And is it possible that you're walking around with weight that Jesus says, I already took care of? And if that's the word at the right hand of the Father, it needs to become the word in your heart and your mind and your life today. Sometimes you have to tell yourself over and over again, but that's forgiven. Jesus covered that. Jesus did that. Is it possible today that you have not forgiven yourself in a place that Jesus already has? Let me ask you, is it possible that you have felt alone when you're not alone? Is it possible that you've said, this is too much, this is overwhelming, I can't do this, this work, this assignment that God has given to me, I can't do this all by myself. Is it possible that you've been claiming to be alone when Jesus says, I will be right there with you to the uttermost, to the end of the world, to the end of time? Is it possible you've claimed that you're alone when you're not really alone? Because Jesus is alive today for real. And then finally, is it possible that Jesus is calling you right now? Is it possible that Jesus is calling you right now? The large part of what we've talked about this morning is the truth that is, is applied for those who are in Christ, who are believers in Christ, whose lives have been attached to Jesus already. But in the middle of the message, we talked about the fact that Jesus desires all people to be saved and to experience the fullness of his grace and his forgiveness. And the truth is that there are some people who are outside of that grace and forgiveness. Even though Jesus offers it, you've just never said yes to it. Maybe you haven't understood it. Maybe you've kind of wanted to say, well, listen, I'll take care of this on my own. If I can just get a handful of things figured out in my life, Jesus, you'll be much more interested in saving me. Uh, that's not the deal at all. Jesus says, I know everything about you. And I want to save you right now. In fact, the messed up stuff is the whole reason that I died for you. I already know it. I've got the forgiveness for it. Will you just ask for it? I'm going to tell you that the living, the alive, resurrected Jesus, part of what he does in this very moment is he calls people's names and said, Will you receive my forgiveness? 
Will you let me embrace you? Will you live under my authority and under my grace? And maybe that's a a moment that you need to have today that the active, living, resurrected Jesus has called your name. And you need to say yes. It's as simple as this. Jesus, I don't understand it all. I can't promise you anything that you'd be impressed with. But I know that there's stuff in my life that needs to be taken care of. Places where I have rebelled against you. And it's unbelievable that you would know those things and still die for me. But Lord, I receive that forgiveness in this moment. Lord, I ask for that. I plead for that. In your name, amen. Here's the thing. If that's the depth of your heart, the reality of your heart, his answer to you will be yes. Guaranteed. It's a yes. And it's a yes that lasts for eternity. It doesn't last until you mess up the next time. It lasts as long as Jesus is God and on a throne. And that's forever. Man, I'd love to talk to you about it. If that's something you've said yes to, I'm in the back there. Come by and see me. Share with me what God has done in life. If there's an area that I can pray with you, if there's an area that we don't necessarily have to talk about specifics, but if you just need to be reminded that you've been forgiven in some part of your life, man, I'd love to pray with you. I'll be in the back. Let's pray.